Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there, welcome to this week's Snugcast. I'm the host, DJ Walsh, and joined as ever by my co-host, Owen Tab. Owen, how are you doing on this week? Uh, good, yeah. Um, better after hearing those lockdown news, the lockdown list, as they say. Um, patent pending. Lockdown yeah. list. Lockdown Snowcast list. original there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jesus, that was, I thought that was uh, great news. Like we'll have, we'll have a point in our hands, hopefully, uh, this month, uh, for those pubs that open as as with a restaurant, not even a restaurant license that can serve food, have a kitchen in them, um, and then 20th of July, as you so masterfully called last week, DJ on the point watch, um, for for all pubs to be open. So yeah, I'm in a much much better mood. Yeah, it was it was a big shock to the system there, and I think like. Um... I don't. I, I think people expected phase two to be initiated. I don't think anyone was really expecting like the level of escalation of the ease and of lockdown in Ireland for for listeners abroad. Basically, we've got a five phase lockdown that yesterday uh, was shot into a four phase lockdown, which included like bringing essentially uh, pubs that can serve food and their lockdown easing forward by by six weeks. Actually, when you when you look at the original plans. Um, so it was, a re- it was a really positive day for businesses. It's a really positive day for people who are looking for pubs, points, and chats. It was also a really positive um, day for small and medium enterprises who are looking to get back up and running and back to some sort of normality as soon as possible. And it was announced yesterday that from Monday, Monday the 8th of June, um, uh, all kind of basically shops can return to some form of no- normality and not just grocery shops, but 
other shops. So we actually happen to have a fella uh, heavily involved in the small and medium enterprise uh, locally owned and locally run here in Waterford on the line. Tommy, how are you getting on? Yeah, good. Thanks, lads. Thanks for having me on uh, again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, again, I've, I, I, uh, I'm in quite a good mood after, uh, after yesterday. I think we were all a bit taken aback. I was even just, I think that we were all taken aback with it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, he really kind of steamrolled forward. So, yeah, onwards and upwards, I suppose. I think, I think as well, like for people who, who obviously haven't been paying attention too much to the Irish situation or maybe listening to this podcast from abroad, um, like our, our, our essentially our Taoiseach, our version of Prime Minister, um, was very conservative in the media all week about easing restrictions. And then, bam, all of a sudden yesterday, he announced this mm. like massive upscale. So, Tommy, for you guys in Kyrie's auction rooms, like, ultimately, you're basically back to normal while enforcing uh, social distancing still in the shop from Monday. Is that right? Yeah, we're uh, we're back open from Monday. And yeah, with all the um, all the measures in place. But um I think it's uh, I think it's more of a vote of confidence as well. I think the way they he kind of basically said all basically all kind of enterprise uh, is kind of up and running again as of Monday, which is um, I think crucial really because I don't know, I, I think there's about a stage like the, it was around like the last week in April where I wasn't the only one. What I thought like I don't know like uh, that the world is fucked and like they <laughs> ever be anyway. Yeah again or kind of what but I think now it is a bit of light at the end of the tunnel because um, as well I was listening um, to RT this morning and they had um, an interview with a um, a guy in Kerry who owns a hotel and he was just saying like from 6 o'clock last night like that the phone started ringing again bookings so I think it's just basically all that kind of confidence do you know what I mean yeah like, but still have money it's just they actually see a bit of bit of light at the end of the tunnel now that it's safe, I might go buy that or might buy that car or go on that holiday. Or, or yeah, I think, I think there's a thing of just like bringing people along as well. Like, you know, as in like everybody's been so good and like the numbers reflected it. And like, I know we're saying that is a big kind of fucking like a big turncoat to what, to what, to what was being um, said during the week in the media. But like at the same time, it seems to be like the right step um and it's like even looking at other countries around the world like it's it's still not like a massive step where like everything's been reopened like in fairness everything seems to be like quite taught through like before we hopped on uh the podcast here we were talking about um how they're they're kind of asking businesses to open at half 10 and that's to allow um essential workers um and obviously the so essential workers to get to their job for eight or nine o'clock in the morning um, so that they can use a bit of um, public transport first and that they're not being um, on the public transport at the same time as shoppers are on. And then like you'll have obviously the workers of those shops trying to be in for maybe 10 a.m. or whatever. And then you have your shoppers coming in from half 10 then. So like, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with how things are, are dipping along and uh, the numbers seem to reflect it as well. Like we've, like phase one seems to not have affected like our easing of restrictions. And phase one doesn't seem to have affected um, the numbers. And I don't know. I think like even our hospitalizations have gone down to they're nearly in double figures now. I think there's like 123 people or something as of yesterday. I think in in hospitals in the country. So yeah, it's great, great news. 
Yeah, cheers. 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 Here we go. We're on the rest. I like, like, I, as you said, as you both have said here, like, it's a, it's a much needed kind of shot in the arm. It's, it's, it's a vote of confidence in the Irish public. It's, it's also just a sign of the fact that we seem to have turned this corner now. Like, obviously, the risk of a second wave looms. And, like, you know, I think, I think, I know certainly myself, I still, I nearly have a newfound anxiety about going somewhere or doing something. So I think even that alone, that I'll be cautious in doing it, will lead to better practices. Like I, I think that will be reflected. I would hope that'll be reflected in the general public. Again, giving people a benefit of the doubt. Like I think, I think there will be like a societal impact, which will actually help with the lifting restrictions. Where like if you are in, say, Kyrie's auction rooms, and you're looking, you want them to go and look at something. Instead of going up and budging alongside someone, you're just going to be a bit more fucking patient to give that person the time to do what they're doing. And then just give, give them a bit of personal space. Like, I wonder, I wonder, is this going to be um, a good thing in terms of like social shopping and, and going and buying stuff like that in a like something afternoon, a grocery store, a clothes shop or whatever, where like people are start allowing themselves a bit of fucking personal space again. Um, I think that might be no harm for that to be a bit of a change. Um, I think there's going to have to be a change in like this kind of, I think Irish people definitely had this kind of martyrdom about them in terms of working, whereby like no matter how sick you were or whatever, like there was a necessity for you to be in and for you to, you know, work and like, you know, everyone was relying on you. Um, I think that'll have to change because it's that, like it's you being sick and you spreading a virus like that is actually going to cause a, a second surge to reoccur. So like, I think that even if like somebody does catch it, that's like, if you kind of, if, if you get it into people's mindset, that's like this 14 day quarantine is a thing that's going to have to be in the public mindset for the next five years or something like, or until the vaccine or whatever comes yeah. into play that like, that's going to have to be, the way things are, or, you know, like, if, if you're, like, you know, if you're sick, like, just stay out until you feel better, like, like, no matter how minute or minuscule you think the sickness is, that's, like, if you have a, you know, once it, it once it's one of the coronavirus symptoms that is causing this sickness, then, like, just stay out, stay out, even if it is a, just a, an, an innocuous head cold, it's just the fact that you might be able, that you might be a spreader of it, like, you know, I think that's going to have to change anyway. That's an excellent point, though, because I think they're like what you hit it. Like conventionally, the Irish mindset in going to work was if you had a sniffle and you didn't go in, you're letting your work colleagues down. Whereas now, without a doubt, if you have a sniffle and you go to work, you're letting your work colleagues down. Yeah. You are yeah. like you're yeah. you're 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 endangering them. And I think if we can lift that mindset, I think it'll be a good thing. I think. It'll but be even a good think thing. about like think about every year when like people get the flu, right? like just the common flu and like people go into work and like the amount of people that drop over the winter months with a flu that like are out for a few days of work and like that's you know paid sick leave that's like you know it's like you know it might seem that like only you might be out for two days one person might be out for two days but if like the whole department often goes down with the flu like so you have those two days by maybe like seven people that's your 14 days that gone like there whereas like if that one person 
was gone for 14 days, then like, you know, you're okay. Or, or not even 14 days until like the, the virus has cleared itself. Like, you know, so yeah, I just, I, I just think that like, that's definitely going to have to be a mindset that's going to have to come into place of like, you know, if you're sick, just like you are sick, you're like, just like you're, you're a potential spreader, like you're an active spreader at that, at that stage. So you, for societal, uh, for the societal advantage, like just, just stay home. Nope. Yeah, yeah, and and Tommy, before we get into what we're drinking there tonight, so I want to like just for my own curiosity, really, more than anything, like as someone who's running kind of like a retail antiques, um, a, an antiques house where you're selling you're selling stuff essentially, and it's a shop that people like like I I'd imagine before COVID, a lot of your business was like people something in the window catching people's eye and coming in and having a browse around and picking up three or four bits like, um. The house, do you think consumer like um consumer habits are going to change? Like, do you think people are going to do less of that and more browsing online? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, we're like, we're, like for us, like our main channel now, um, is um our DMs um, um on Instagram. Like, it's just now it's just someone just saying, Do you have this or I have this space? Do you have anything to fit it? And now it's just people just literally sending us pictures of parts of their house that they're looking for, a, a, an item or or sending us pictures saying, do you have anything like this? So it's very much, uh, it's, it's more of people being, I suppose our business is a bit different. So it's people being kind of proactive if they're looking for something um, a bit quirky or a bit different. But I think going forward, I think there's a big, there's a whole thing they were saying, like the whole model they're saying is uh, for a business would be bricks and clicks. So you're you're using your website or your social to push people to, Drop in store. For now, they're saying that a new buzzword I've been reading is um, a thing called con, 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 conversational commerce, whereas it's just people actually talking with a business in it or doing a pre sale or post sale to know if they're buying something or testing something. So I think habits would be people are just more kind of proactive, kind of messaging businesses, um, you know, that they're not really kind of going to visit a store off the cuff really they're gonna really plan it you know and make a make a day of it yeah like i was listening to um a podcast actually there during the week and they were saying that um uh like that say like those high street shops like h&m and zara and all those no actually not Zara. sorry they said zara was actually quite good but h&m top man top shop or whatever what they tend to do is that they like buy in a, like like a huge um, summer like uh, selection of clothes or whatever but, but like buy in like a massive amount of like uh, just the one type of style or like whatever they think is going to be uh, good for that summer uh, whereas Zara um, what they would do is that they buy small batches of different types of styles and they test it out in the store and then they get feedback then so it's kind of more data driven that like the like depending on the sales of that smaller batch of clothes then they come back and they put like they buy like bigger batches of like that item then because they know that's going to be a better seller um and it says reduce like at least uh, like reduces in waste and stuff like that but it's more like um consumer driven like you know that that like you know like you're kind of testing the market the whole time with it um and i think that 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 could like is one thing that kind of facilitate like you know like 
people where like you know pe- like people have more say in what they want to buy and it kind of stops that kind of like that browsing uh more so you know like people going into pennies or whatever and you know and having to browse around whereas like you know if you're if you're kind of you know even like things like you know carrying out um i saw there's a, a crowd that are doing this box um so it was actually again the same podcast but um a crowd are doing um a box for bangladeshi workers so because h&m um and the likes have not bought these huge batches of clothes then there's a load of those box or those clothes that are still in bangladesh that uh are just going to go to the skip so uh this crowd are doing these like um boxes uh like these fashion boxes whereby you go you like type in or complete a survey saying like oh i like plain plain colors i like you know i'm on medium size i'm a man I, I like to dress between the ages of whatever this is my type of style that i like and then you get kind of get sent a random box of clothes and um, from that that they've kind of custom tailored for you but like it's you know it's still the same price actually well this one is cheaper because it's trying to help the those workers in bangladesh but you know it's it's more kind of targeted to you so i think that could be a kind of a you know there's loads of different ways like there's only one way but like i think there's loads of ways to trying to facilitate um i don't know a better kind of consumer experience like you know even like if we're if we're talking beer and we're going to go on to the onto the what are you drinking tonight uh, section now but you know they likes of kind of craft central and stuff like you know you have like these kind of like mystery boxes but like you know it tells you what it's not even a mystery box but it's like a selection of beers and you know they might have a few different types you know and it lets you be a bit more you know targeted to what what you want like you know um and i think there's just there's definitely a facility for websites to go like oh uh dj has you know bought off craft central and he has bought you know this beer this beer before like we recommend dj you drink this because this is you know along similar notes of what you've drink, drank before this is what you've liked this is what you've given five stars to i think there's just a, a huge market for being able to use data um from the websites to try and you know limit the amount of like interaction yeah. and shops that's actually required you know well i think as well there what like what you make some great points there um, and I think at the end of the day, like, the, the, the data is out there for everyone to see if, if you actually really tried. Like, yeah, like, it's, it's, just not being, it's just not being collected properly, like, you know. Yeah, it's a brilliant name of an app, but like untapped is basically untapped potential when it comes to beer drinking. Like, exactly, Where yeah. people are actually uploading to a website what they're drinking. And like, I know because of GDPR, like it wouldn't possibly be done, but like, there's a pool of data there where... You know, right, you can't, Untapped can't give away all the information to whoever. But if you were a, a small microbrewery and you were looking at what people are enjoying at the moment, if you just went on to Untapped and looked at the most, like, highly rated beers in the last month, and you saw, like, certain, you know, types of beers amongst craft beer drinkers, and it makes sense to pursue that kind of beer or think, like, right, fuck it, this year, this time of the year, this is what's popular and try and plan yeah. around that. So, so I think, yeah, like, looking at consumer habits more than more than trying to impose what you think consumers should do on them is, is maybe a way forward. Uh, you're definitely right. And, and spe- speaking of consumer habits, Owen, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, so actually, I have a funny story about uh, what I am drinking tonight. So I went to 
um, I know Brian's off license in Nays here. And uh, it's in uh, kind of the shopping center where the Tesco is. So Tesco is kind of within like the, it's like half the shopping center and then they have like individual um, shops kind of alongside it. But um, this O'Brien's, um, so I've been to another, uh, other O'Brien's like getting beers, but this O'Brien's, what they've done is where the entrance of the shop was, they've now made that the till, right? Oh. So there's no entry into the shop. So like the front of the shop is literally just like call out what you want and they'll get it from the shop and um will you know bring it to bring it for you, right? But it has totally ruined the like craft beer experience whereby like you go perusing around and going, Oh, what's this what's this can? Um yeah. and as off, as we were saying there um off mic there uh that's you know, the craft breweries put so much effort into their branding and like how appealing they make their cans look. And so it's actually very hard to try and like, like pick something off a shelf or like, you know, actually to select a beer. So I was there like at the, at the counter and he was just like, oh, what do you want? And I was just like, oh God, what do I want? Um, so I could see that they had a three for nine euro deal. Um, uh, like for their two top shelves and anyway i spotted that they had wicklow wolf on it so i was just like sure look that's one i've i've drank before i'll go for I'll, I'll go for that now instead of like trying to you know mess around so i said oh do you have um arcadia by wicklow wolf because i kind of wanted i haven't drank a lager in a while so i said I'll, I'll go for an old classic lager uh so went for that and then he was just like and what what are the other two you want and i said right what's um left and right of that so he goes, oh, there's a Mama's IPA and um, what's the other one? Elevation Pale Ale um, by Wicklow Wolf as well. So right, I was like, those three, that'll do me and head out. But yeah, it was just, it was just a very weird experience. Like, and it was, I think that was like a negative uh, like shopping experience. I know a lot of shops have adapted and have like put positives in place, but I just, I found that a bit um, off-putting to try and deal with that like it's you know there's some behind me as well like when I was there after the maggot trying to ask him for for beer like you know especially with off-license as well like you know off-license are a place where you're like you know especially like say for wines like how do you go and you, like you know oh do you have a like a Chilean Sauvignon Blanc or you know I'm trying to you know you can't really ask your man up at the table for like wine yeah. advice or anything like that you know so like, you know, what do you do? Like, oh, can I have a Chilean Sauvignon Blanc under a tenner or like, something like, you know? Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, sorry, to, to call a long story short, I am drinking uh, the Mammoth IPA by Wicklow Wolf there at the moment. So it's 6.2% um, uh, and yeah, it's really good. Really, um, really flavorsome, good body, as they say. Yeah, but I think, I think you, you touched on something there that, that definitely resonates with me when, like, say, if I go to an off license and I want, um, or, or even if I go to a pub and pubs are open and I'm like, I feel like trying something new, you want a good look, you want to go browse, you want to read the can, you want to, you know, talk to the barman or talk to so an informed person in the off license about the type of beers you're trying to buy. So, like, trying to stand at the front of the shop with a queue form behind you, like, it's a bit of unnecessary pressure. Yeah, yeah, it was. And like, it was even the fact that you're, you're queuing 
outside of the shop like i was queuing in the shopping center hallway like you know so i don't know a bit of more added pressure and just shout out as well to what i had before this which was the arcadia lager um really really good just classic lager but also gluten-free as well so i know a few lads that have like met along the years who've been like celiac and stuff and who've just like stuck on ciders and stuff who've never gone for um like beer in general like you know irish um, what is it irish it's wickler wolf yeah okay yeah yeah so uh i literally had this conversation with neo's brother-in-law last night like i was chatting to him about because he 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 was on to me about beer because basically obviously with pubs being closed he hasn't had anything he is a celiac proper genuine celiac so he can't have gluten and he drinks cans of this uh, Swiss stuff called Hoofy in the local pub where he literally buys the cans and gives them to the pub and then they give them back to him, like, <laughs> you know, which is a brilliant story itself. But I know, like, Stag... And does he pay the pub then or what? <laughs> so basically, right, he, he, he runs a pub himself. That's not oh, a local right, okay. pub. So, like, he gets them through C&C to be delivered to him. But, um, so he does buy them off the pub, like, the pub does pay for them, like, um, and then he buys them off the pub. But he, like, so I, I think it was last week's podcast, I think it was, where I talked about Neil's other brother now who runs um, Powers of the Lord in Galway. And um, they, we were up there one evening a couple of years ago, and they had Stag Sear from the Nine White Deer, which is a gluten free beer. And no one leaves running on the celiac drank it, thought it was amazing. So just contacted me, like, we were chatting about this, contacted me last night about. Basically, his wife tried to do a good thing and bought three gluten-free beers in Aldi or Little, and he just didn't like them. They were rotten, he said. I don't know which ones they were. He didn't have the name to hand. But like that was like Arcadia being gluten-free and Stag's here having a fully gluten-free range. Like, you know, the poor, poor fuckers like that who literally don't have the range of choices that we have. It's great that it's there for them. Like, so, so, yeah. so it's really good that there's a good, really good quality gluten-free lager out there for uh, celiacs. Yeah, it is. It's a proper classic lager as well. Like it's really, yeah, really, really good. Like I just want to go. I haven't had like you know IPAs can be a bit like, not 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 that they can be a bit flavorsome, but like I'm just saying that like sometimes you just want a beer, just uh, just classic, like you know, and that's it's that's really, what exactly what that is. Uh, speaking of classics, Tommy, what are you drinking today? Uh, so uh, <laughs> don't judge me. Uh, I I'm out at my parents' house, so. Um, all we have in the house is Corona. Oh, hey, yeah, don't knock it, man. No, so it's, it's actually great. I'm enjoying it. So uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you can't. Um, yeah, you can't beat it. I um, I had a bit of a heavy one last night, and uh, I drank an absolute fucking ton of uh, craft beers. Uh, I had Blue Dog. Uh, I was on the Elvis Juice. I was on. Um, I was on the Punk IPA as well. So I was uh, Oh yeah. Yeah, the Elvis juice is punchy like. You know, oh, yeah. Elvis, yeah. Elvis juice yeah. I get you there. Like punk IPA is nice a nice like easy going IPA, but El- Elvis juice has a bit of punch to it, like it'll fucking get you there. Oh, well, um, Tommy, you had a story actually about um about Brewdog and how they're going kind of um delivery delivery hubs, isn't it? From their yeah. pubs. Yeah, so actually, um, there's um, a podcast uh, you should listen to. I, I would recommend it's called The Leaders. Uh, it's where they kind of interview just kind of business leaders uh, in the UK. And I was listening to it about with the with the founder um, of Brewdog. So he was saying that obviously that they're 
90% of their business is gone overnight. Like their pubs had to, had to uh, close. So now all their pubs in all the big cities in the UK are literally hubs. So they're selling their own food uh, through the hub and craft beer and craft pints. So they're at, like, they're literally, they're using each pub as um, um, a kind of mini depot for Brewdog. Um, cause even yeah, one, I assume they have like collection times and all this shit, like just to, like same thing, just to yeah, try and... Yeah, they do. And I think that, well, they've um, um, a heap of mopeds just basically flying around London now with pints in the back. Oh, um, Billy, um, my friend Billy, shout out to Billy Ryan. He's a listener. <laughs> um, he, uh, he bought eight pints. He said he got eight pints uh, for t- £28. Pounds, which is not bad at all. Wow. Yeah. Really good. So, um, it's and, 350 a pint. More. Yeah. 3, and, 375 and, a pint. And, and the food um, in Brewdog's great as well. Like, it's, it's just good... I suppose, what would you call it? Good, not pub grub, but good. It's kind of, it's kind of American-y. American-y. Kind of yeah, American. you know, wings and burgers. and that Yeah. But, um, good food. Yeah, so you change their, their kind of model that way. Um, and it's flying, I think. It, like, in terms of, basically, all the channels or that channel that they have opened, like, is, is fucking flying for them. But obviously, they're, they're losing money elsewhere. Um, but actually, did you actually see with Brewdog as well, they... Um, they launched a, a hazy IPA last week called Bar- Barnard Castle after coming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. First yeah. Like, it was like a piss take, like a kind of some sort of April food, but no, they have it. I was only gonna buy it just for the crap. Yeah, hazy, hazy IPA, that's quality. Fair play to them. Uh, very good. And actually, like speaking of Rudolph, like they were one of the first real like mass scale craft brewers. Um, that were properly independent. They've gone. They've gone to huge scale now. But um, I suppose rather rather than what am I drinking tonight? I'll, I'll give you a quick run through what I, what have I drank today? <laughs> because I was I was uh, we, we had the virtual beer festival today again. Again, shout out to Brian Cal who organised a super festival. Um, but I, I I'll give you three highlights from the festival. I won't run through it all because um, the entire podcast will just be what what was I drinking today? Um, but there's there's a couple of highlights. Um, so the use of the use of lactose in beer is like a big contentious issue among craft beer drinkers. Like, and there's this like <laughs> phrase in the Irish craft beer industry, "lactose me whole." And um, with you know, there's a great adversity to people drinking lactose infused and um, pale ales. But Rascals had one feature that was that, that genuinely was amazing. Uh, it was fruits, fruits and, and uh, maples, um, an amazing. A fruity pale ale. Uh, it was it's like a milkshake pale ale, I think they call it. And they just like absolutely loaded the oak up with um, I think it was passion fruit and mango. And um just the lactose actually offset it quite well. So that was really, really nice. But uh, Black Skin Sale had this fucking um double dry hopped cryo New England <laughs> Indian pale ale, which is a mad description of a beer. Um, but I find this a black skin say like they have the like, obviously we've like featured KPA and their blacks IPA like on the podcast a good bit, but they go and do some mad really cool brewing shit and this like Ace of Haze that they have is four point two percent double dry hop, one of the best beers I've had uh, in a long time and I was actually saying to Owen um actually tell me before you joined the call that like it's like the last virtual like. When you get a bunch of people who drink craft beer together and talk about beer, it's very rarely that there's a beer 
that absolutely nobody has a fucking criticism or some smarmy comments or anything to say about it. This was universally loved. It was super, like really fucking superb. So if you come across that from Blacksbury, Ace of Hayes, I highly recommend it. Um, and then the other one then, which is, the name is a big favourite of me and Owen's, is Clancy's Cans. Uh, it's a raspberry voice from, from Ballyclick Cabin and Leach there. And it's basically like, a raspberry voice sounds like it's going to be really sweet because the raspberry, but it's actually lovely balance with it, with it being a kind of wheat style beer. Um, it's really fucking good. And uh, there was a lovely little, there's there a lovely little um, story behind it as well. Um, basically, they call it Clancy Cans because the farm has been in the family since like the late 17th century. And for five generations then back to like the famine time, these Clancy's have worked on the farm with the, the Walsh family who owned the, who run the Ballycabin farm. And uh, basically, the the guy who's working there now, like just the the guy who runs the farm, has been like, you know, we need to fucking tribute these guys. They've done five generations working on our farm for us. So uh, they're actually doing a a, a series of uh, in, individual brews as a tribute to these this family that's given like fucking 170, 180 years service. The Clancy brothers. Yeah, the Clancy's, yeah. Which is fucking really a really good story, like and, and really sound. Um so that that was fucking brilliant. Uh so the, basically what I, what I'm drinking tonight, I just finished off the Clancy's can um and I've opened a can there of, of the Wicklow Brewers Hot Nut, which is another Irish pale ale, lovely caramely, kind of darker, darker, borderline brown pale ale, uh, which is like really fucking tasty. So a lot of good shit going on there. Um and that actually hot note I've had in draft before. And actually the, another thing that was featured was Graciosa. And Graciosa is something on that we both have had on tap in Phil Grimes uh, in our time. And I just wanted to, to, to use this as a fucking wonderful way to segue into looking at, right, when are we going to drink in Phil Grimes again? Uh, so Tommy, I suppose you, you haven't, we started point watch after the last time you've been on the podcast. Mm. There's been some huge fucking developments, obviously, just in the last couple of days when it comes to Point Watch. Where, like last week, we were talking about um, maybe the, the end of July, 20th of July, if they bring in one meter, so one meter social distancing. Now, all of a sudden, pubs, um, it's, it's looking like the 29th of June for pubs that serve food. Um, so, just out of Point Watch, are you, do you think like 29th of June, if there's going to be pubs of food, or do you think if they're reducing one meter, we might actually have all pubs on the 29th of June? From a Point Watch point of view, where do you think we are uh, now? Yeah. I, I think, as I was just saying, I, I just have a feeling if the next phase goes fairly okay, that maybe on the Friday before the 29th of June, that they may. Well, I'm, I think we're still looking uh, at the 20th of July, but they may just uh, ease the uh, ease um, the di- this distancing uh, one meter. Um, so I suppose, in a nutshell, I don't think the any the, there's a lot of pubs just like we said, like like Phil Grimes that obviously does not have a kitchen. So I think. Anyway, it'll be um, the 20th of July. Um, I think that's... Which I'm very much looking forward to. Even though um, I was just actually looking at the calendar. It's a mon- Monday, so you'll have to you have to book the Monday and Tuesday off. And, 
Rick uh, Roar. Are you, are you, Tommy, do you, talking about point watch, like, are you keen to, to go for a point, like, on the first night? When yeah, no, not at all. Uh, not at all. I, I, as I was just, I was only saying to my cousin earlier, is in, I, I wouldn't go near a pub for the first week or two of it, I don't think. It's, I think yeah. it just madness. And I, I'd imagine there's going to be a lot of mis, mis, mistakes made uh, from the publican's behalf, on people's behalf, you know, mm. things are going to go wrong. It's, yeah. it's going to be a difficult fucking period of adjustment, really, definitely. Yeah. I think, like, I, I you, I'm not going to air a pub for the first couple of weeks. Actually, Owen, I know I went, you went off there just to get a can, and I'm not sure if you, you heard me talking about doing the segue to Pint Watch, but I was saying, um, I was just saying saying to Tommy, like, you know, do you, do you think that there's any chance that there'll be a further escalation, like, when it comes to point watch, do you think that they'll drop it to one meter and all of a sudden they'll say that, like, you know, right, pubs can open from the 29th of June with one meter social distancing? Um, yeah, I think they will have to. And I think it, it's maybe not just on pubs, but on for restaurants. I was actually listening um, to Eamon Dunphy's podcast today and he had Jim Power, the um, economist on, who's actually from Waterford. He's a very good economist. But he was just saying, like, as in small to medium size enterprise are the backbone of Ireland like so many pubs and restaurants and the harsh reality is that a lot of them really can't function on two meters um, distancing do you know it's just not viable so I think the pressure will come from that I think yeah um, well this ties into something that you guys actually I, I went to the Jacks before we started recording when I came back you guys were talking about Jeff's and apparently like Jeff's Bar in Waterford which would do a lot of food and and a lot an awful lot of their business during the week, I suppose, would be um, people coming for a meal after working and having a couple of points. And they I didn't they say that even though they fall into the category that, that qualifies yeah. to to um, open and have a couple of and open and run as a, a bar that's offers food on the twenty ninth of June, you guys are saying that they're gonna hold back until the twenty July anyway. And yeah. that made me think like my, I'd say a lot of the reasoning behind a lot of places like this to not open on the 29th of June is because with two metres social distancing enforced, I don't know if it's financially viable for them to pay all the staff, get all the food in and do all of that as a business enterprise from the yeah. 29th of June. If you, you have a two metre social distancing, because you're only, you're only about 30% of their capacity then, I'd say. Yeah, I think, I think if you bring it back to a few of the points that we made last week as well, I'd say like, like a lot of those pubs only have a food option in order to get people in the door. They're not actually making money off the food or making money off the points. Like, so, uh, say, take Jeff's for example, like that. If you have one meter distance and as opposed to two meter distance, and so say what well, you were saying at two meter distance, and you're talking 30% uh, of your capacity, max 30% capacity of your max. But like with one meter social distance, and then you're doubling that. You know, it's literally like you can fit double the amount of people into that into that, that space. So then I, I don't even think Owen it's going to be a linear correlation. Sorry to put in there, but I think as well if you reduce it to one, there'll be areas and pubs where two meters doesn't work. Yeah, at yeah, all. yeah. But then yeah, one yeah. meters works for all of it. Like so, I think you're more than doubling the capacity of an awful lot of places if you reduce the one meter social distancing. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Like even like if even if you think of some of the places in Jess now, like there's 
and that we were talking about J and K Walsh's and the long hall in Dublin. Like there's like there's there's loads of places whereby like that two meter square doesn't even fit from the bar to the to the up to the wall. Like you're talking a long corridor. There's loads of long cor- corridors and pubs in Ireland whereby a small original pub is attached onto a bigger like back pub or whatever that was like another building and that they've built a corridor in between like you know it seems seamless when you're in the pub but like they're actually two separate old buildings that they've actually just bought out like and ha- had to like put corridors and stuff between so th- it just it doesn't work like you know so i think yeah they'll have to but bring it back to your point or bring it back to your question of asking me whether they'll reduce it down to one meter and ask hubs to open on the 29th of june uh, all pubs open on 29th of June? No. I think there's, as I said before, I think there's going to use the restaurant type pubs to be a somewhat of a pilot to see because as you said there, shit is going to go wrong. Like things are, things are going to go wrong. People are, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be, and it's better to have mistakes on a somewhat smaller level than to have it where everybody has run reckless, like, you know, and um, so I think they're going to have to run it on those and then by the 20th of July, and I think they are, I'm going to say my point watch is going to stick at the 20th of July now um, as per the guidance. I don't think they're going to change it. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of mistakes that they're going to have to correct by the 20th of July in those three weeks. They're going to, yeah. It's going to be, uh, like, unfortunately, there's going to be headlines about this, like, you know. Um, so people are going to be sitting at every kind of busy street corner, you know, waiting just... To yeah. Be- yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I, I think you're, you're raising some really good points there. And obviously, last week, we clarified, like, because of the development complications, like, when we come to Point Watch, we're talking about when can people first just go to a pub for a point without having to fucking eat a chicken curry and curry yeah, like yeah, fucking yeah. Caesar salad or something, you know? So I think I think we are talking about that second phase definitely of, of pubs reopening. I do think that there will be, and I think I touched on this last week, there'll be a strong lobby group for pubs who will not meet the criteria to open on the 29th of June to say that they're being discriminated against from a business point of view. And I, I think that like, what we've seen this week is the government saying to like, when a business is ready to open, it's ready to open. So I'm actually going to be a bit, I'm going to, I'm going to be a bit brave on Point Watch this week. And I'm going to say that I think, I think yes, there will be mistakes made on the 29th of June and over that couple of days. I think business owners, I think, will be very, very slow to allow these mistakes to happen and not act on them. So yeah. I think I think that you'll see mistakes happen the first couple of days and it clamped down on very quickly. And I think if we don't see a rise in cases and we see a dropping drop of the recommendations, so the WHO recommendations is um, at like, you know, one meter uh, social distancing to 1.5 meter social distancing and more if you think it's re- like warranted. So they can drop it to one meter social distance. And the toilets are still an issue. <laughs> it's something that I've harped on about. And actually, Wayne from the Irish Beer blog um, slagged me off about it in the virtual beer festival today about, about Jack's like and, and said that I keep bringing up the podcast. But it's a very, a very important point. What I would say is, my prediction is, and I got the prediction right last week, so I fucking, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, 
falsely overconfident with my prediction this week. But I think there'll be a very strong lobby from that element of the BFI and the LBA who cannot meet the criteria to, to provide food via their own means. And they don't need a restaurant license, but they just need to demonstrate that they provide their own produced food on the premises. The people who don't fall into that category, your Phil Grimes, your J.K. Welch's, your Henry Downs and Watford, the, the, the likes of... Um, the, the, there's only a handful of pubs in Kilkenny that don't. What I would say is, I think they'll be putting big pressure on the government if the figures are still good at then to open up earlier. And I think that you could see that being brought forward a week. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking move my point watch date forward to the 13th of July, purely based on the fact that I think there'll be mistakes made. I think it'll be clamped down early. I mean, if the figures hold and the social distancing advice comes down. I think you could see the last phase, which, you know, originally last phase was August 10th, now it's July 20th. I think that last phase could be brought forward a week if there is evidence there to suggest it can be done. And I think that there will be enough lobbyist groups, not just in pubs, putting pressure on the government to do that. And I could see that happening if the figures are right. Um, I don't know if that'll be right or, or wrong or whether it's the right thing to do then. I think we've seen this evolving so fast. Like yesterday, nobody thought we were going to get the news that we got about other businesses. So it, I just find it very, very interesting. And I, I'm saying now, I could see a case where the, the data continues to be very, very good. And I go on, you drove home the point last week. This is all data-driven information. If the data continues to be really good, I think we could be looking at the 13th of July as the date that Ireland exits lockdown um, as per the original phase five and now the final phase, which would be phase four. Um, any final thoughts on that, lads, before we move on to the next segment? Or? Yeah, well, just on that, I think um, I think you could be right about them. Yeah, push uh, the, if they bring it to one metre, that I think that the lobby from pubs and kind of restaurants will push that. Um, but... I don't know. I think it's going to be very interesting once the pubs do open. Um, and I, I, I know you could talk about this for hours, but I wonder, will they actually, I was only thinking, will they just set a limit that you, if you go into a pub, your your max is going to be like four pints or just, you know, or something like that. I, th- I think they'll set a limit on the number of people who can be in there per square foot. But I don't think they'll set a time limit on how long you can stay in there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm Will uh, will regulars get will they get a, yeah, a card or anything or uh... if Tom Ryan could let us know. Um, but I think I think as well though, like what I think you might see is you might see restricted opening hours as it comes closer to the time. Like like you guys have now, like it is a half thing. You, you can't like I think I think like you'll have early early closes. I think we touched on that a couple of weeks ago. And, um, but I think I I do think you'll see early closes. Um, and actually, I have, a, I have a question for you, right? Do you see your habits changing as to how you'll approach a pub, like in terms of like how long you'll spend there, like what time of day you'll go there at, or you know? Yeah, I, well, I think maybe with, with, with age anyway, but I was, I was really starting to enjoy just going to the pub earlier in the evening and yeah. finishing by 10 o'clock, do you know, whip into it at four o'clock or something. Yeah, sure. Whatever, but I think that well, I think that's going to grow. I think, uh, but I, I I think the whole thing about the toilet, like uh, I know, if you're horsing points into yourself, like 
It's going to yeah. be. Yeah. It's going to be. Oh, oh. I think that's one thing I'm going to have to bear I, in mind. I, I, was, I was listening to the podcast during the week and there was a brilliant sentence made, a point made where it was like, we're going to have to shift now from trying to figure out how to get to a point where we don't have a virus to try and figure out how do we live in tandem with the virus. And uh, mm. I think I think stuff like pub toilets are the small practical uh, things that we need to figure out. Do we change our habits that we just become more fucking accommodating of people in toilets? Like, actually, I was thinking about this. The, the main the main problem is, like, with the virus, people are going to be hyper-conscious of washing their hands and, and hand-washing habits in Irish toilets, certainly amongst males, isn't great. We're great for social distancing before COVID-19 and the jacks, like, like the looks you'd give someone if they stood in the in the in the in the urinal next year, like you know the splash zone as well is a well established yeah. practice in toilets anyway. I I just think it's the hand washing is the problem. Uh, I, and I, I I think as well though it's the cute like so whatever about this is getting completely ridiculous but like whatever about when you're standing next to somebody in jacks right there seems to be a gap there but when you're you know say like festival or like big night out at Christmas time or whatever, when there's like a heat, there's, you know, there's about 40 lads in the jacks, right? And like, you have lads like breathing down your neck as you're going for a bit, like, like right up, like the queue is like, you know, like right, like, fuck, you know, like arse to arse kind of job, like, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Um, so I don't know how that's going to work. I, even, even on a regular night, I often find that people just kind of stand right behind you when you're going for a piss, like, and that's, and, and a lot of the time that's due to a wall behind them, you know, so that they're trying to, like, you know, get in and keep the space and move into the jacks, like, you know, so I, 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 I don't know, I actually just don't know how, like, is it, is it going to be a thing of, like, limit to the amount of, like, you know, safely distance urinals in the, in the bathroom, that's the amount of people that are out in the bathroom. But then, how do, do you have a queue, a socially distant queue coming out the door then? I, I, there's a lot of things to think yeah. about, really. Like. Yeah, but to bring it back to your question, Warren, then as well, about the habits and, and new habits of approaching a pub, like, I, I, I think I had made that shift already to, like, wanting a snug, wanting a quiet corner of a pub, you know, go four or five points, enjoy and go home. I have an idea for a pub, right? We call it we call it snugs, right? And it's just like all snugs around. Like you just have barricades all around, like everywhere. Sixteen all snugs around the bar with sixteen exactly. doors onto the street. Perfect, perfect. Like, yeah. Okay. Actually, we just call it the social isolating. And a urinal in the corner, of the snug as well. You'd be sorted. Yeah. yeah. Each snug is a little bucket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just empty luxe bottles under the under each chair. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd agree with Tommy as well. Like I'd say early points, or, you know, early doors. It's 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 the way things are. Like yeah. I, actually, like coming out of work and going into a bar straight away, then afterwards is yeah, it's hard like that's yeah, it's hard to beat that. Like uh, spe- speaking of drinking habits, and it's something that we've been we've been touching on the podcast constantly. But Owen, you had a fresh take on on this during the week as we were chatting. Uh, and I thought, it would, like we said, it'd be well worth discussing on the podcast. Uh, you were talking to me about the basically the, the economics or the economics of uh, of home drinking now, where you're you're drinking cans, and you were talking about the value of the perceived value of drinking from home. And you were 
you had some brilliant points on actually the the value of having a drink in a bar when it's priced right. Uh, so do you want to maybe throw those points you made to me out there and then we can have more general discussion around what you what you were thinking? Yeah, so it ties on from um, that trip actually to that um, carry out to get, sorry, that O'Brien's actually, to get um, those Wicklow Wolf cans. Um, and as I said earlier on there in the podcast that I got three cans for nine euro, which was three euro a can, right? So when you're thinking about it, you go, God, that's very good value, three euro a can, right? But literally, as I was leaving the place, I was doing the maths in my head, right? So I was saying, right, so this can, these cans here are, uh, are they, they're 440 mil, right? So you're talking four-fifths of the can, or four-fifths of the point there, uh, as to what, what you'd normally be drinking, right? So, all right, so that's, so that's the first thing, right? So, you know, it's less, right? And secondly, like, what, what would you be paying for? You'd be paying, what, maybe 550 for that, that, a pint of that in a pub for a pint of, say, Arcadia or that Mammoth IPA there. So that's an extra 250 on top of the drink you're getting. So, like, 250 for the extra 100 and whatever, 28 mil or whatever it's going to be, plus like getting it served, like having the can or the pint taken away from you, serving up, having the chat with the barman, having like the environment and chat. I actually think that like it nearly pays you to go to a bar. Like it's actually very good value when you think about it in comparison to like actually buying cans. Like if, say if, like if you take the example of restaurants, I'm going to a restaurant and getting a meal in a restaurant as opposed to making a meal at home. Like, you know, say like, even let's say like, if you've got a spaghetti bolognese in, in a restaurant, you're probably talking 10, 12 quid. Like you could make a spaghetti bolognese for a family for under three euro, like, or, you know what I mean? So like, I actually think that the value there is not as much, but I actually think that buying pints in a, in a pub is actually, pretty good value for what you're getting like you know i totally agree good good <laughs> yeah no but i i think there as well like when i put all the overheads that pubs have um and you're getting a point in the glass that's handed to you you're not washing that glass you're not you're not disposing of the candle that's coming or the bottle you know and i know that they're, they're trivial fucking things in, in, in the thing but as well i just think that fucking thing like even that like Trust me, as someone who has spent the vast, vast majority of the last 10 weeks confined to my own home, getting that fucking break away from your house, that mental break, like, mm. I don't think you can put a value on that right now. Like, I think it's invaluable. Yeah. So yeah. if you said to me, like, you, you're going to pay 5.50 a pint, uh, you know, you're going to pay 5.50 a pint for something. If you wanted to get three pints at a cost of 16.50, you could get three for nine in cans. Or three for ten in cans, like give me the three points. With say, I'd I'd much rather three of us sitting around the table at a safe distance now, having a fucking pint in a pub with a bit of atmosphere. And yeah. like this is great, and Zoom is brilliant, and I really fucking enjoying this chat. It's lovely, but fuck me, like I miss a pub, and and I think 
when you think about that there, like you're 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 if you're paying ten euro for three cans on a deal and it's sixteen fifty for those pints, you're paying an extra six fifty for that two and a half to three hours to sit in the pub and have a genuine social interaction. Mm. Um that's two twenty an hour for some proper service and some fucking social interaction. We are ripping the fucking publicans off for what the good ones are offering us, man. And I, yeah. I, I never thought about it in that way until he made that point to me the other day, and I thought it was a fucking brilliant point. I thought you, you, you absolutely encapsulated it superbly. And it's something that, you know, like we said over the last few weeks, like, right, you know my stance on the likes of Weatherspoons with that. For a Phil Grimes, a J.K. Welch's, a fucking Tom Mars that's on now by Sarah Jane Hansen, and a pair of tea rooms, um, and Brendan before him, before her, and, and Tom before him, the likes of Henry Downs, like these really good fucking pubs, like and you could list off a million of them. Like, fuck me, I want to support them guys. Now, like I said to Tommy earlier, I'm not going in the first week or two after lockdown opens for my own personal reasons, but fuck me, we supported them beforehand. I want to support them long after this. And you're dead right. The fucking value for money we get off pubs, like it's unquantifiable. Mm, I know. Even like in terms of, like, like that amount of just like, like in fairness to a lot of publicans are like the I suppose the craft beer pubs that we would go to, like their knowledge of the beers as well is just extraordinary. Like yeah. you know, like like we drank our fair share of beers <laughs> and stuff, but like. I wouldn't have a notion in comparison to, to those guys. Like they're they're out of this world. Like the the stuff that they know, the context they have, like the even the little backstories they have about like the brewers, the like you know even just even some of the sales reps and stuff like that. Like it's just they're it's just absolute gems that they're coming out with. Like and it's just like I, I don't know. I, I like I think as you said, there's like mental health kind of stuff as well. Like I know there's 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 a bit of a negativity associated with like drinking your problems away but like there's also an ear there as well like whereby there's someone listening to you as you're chatting away to them in a pub like you know and okay yes alcohol is being served but like that's you know you're not sitting there it, like it's not lads who are sitting in a corner on their own like drinking away it's guys who are up the bar talking away to their group of like friends at the bar as well like you know so um yeah i'm looking forward to to it coming back yeah, big time. And as well, I think, you know, like you're saying, it's what, say, for instance, basically two euro an hour for you to sit in uh, a cool pub and a nice beer. Uh, but think about what, <laughs> I suppose, with, with the way the world is now, that is our only social outlet, really. Yeah. You can't sit anywhere else, really. <laughs> yeah. I know, especially in Ireland as well, whereby, like, we don't like we don't have any like late night coffee shops or tea yeah. shops or anything like that. Like you know, it's like like that's our that's our late night activity unless you want to go to a cinema or something like that. Like, but there was know, a, there's only so many films you can go see. Like you know, there was a late night cafe and it even did food up until like midnight when we were in UCC one. I'm not sure if you can remember the name of it. It's by where Speedos is now. It's down that lane between. To the famous hillbillies and Bishop Lucy Park, where you're going right. down towards, oh, what was the name of the fucking nightclub that was on the right? There's a place down there, like that was this kind of late night cafe place, 
the only place I'll ever remember seeing in Ireland that was this late night cafe style place. And it went out of business when we were in college, like between second and third year for us. Like, mm. And again, it was a great outlet. And you're dead right in terms of we don't have those there. So as you said, Tommy, like two euros an hour for what a pub gives you, like, and that's, that's comparing it to what you'd get at home. And um, it's a fucking great deal. It's a great deal, isn't it? Like, it's a bargain. It's really a bargain. Effort. Yeah, it really and truly is like, uh, and maybe, maybe if we, maybe if the general public start thinking, framing it in that way, um, and as you said, like if, if, if hopefully if this changes consumer habits that people are going for three, four, five points the odd night to get the social escape in a pub, then it'll reduce the harmful relationship that we have with alcohol on top of that that you were referring to. So I think it's an all round fucking positive anyway. Like it's great, it's great development. Um, uh, actually, some, then then actually, on something you were going to talk about was a couple of memorable sessions. Just to get a bit of nostalgia going. Uh, we we actually went we we found way over time on Point Watch and this chat. So uh, if we have a little bit of chat about the memorable sessions you were talking about, one, I think we have we have a good podcast there. Then. Uh yeah yeah um I think as well I think with like the old COVID nineteen I think um. <laughs> The nostalgia factor is kind of kicked up with a lot of people, like you know, be watching Disney and things like that. So I was kind of thinking about, you know, like um, something that could tie into the podcast. And I was thinking of some memorable sessions that we might have all had during the years. Um, so I suppose to kick it off there, um, like some of the my most favorite ones uh, um, have definitely been during college. Had some amazing session so we lived on magazine road there in cork and like that house was um, very sessionable all right um with a lot of people in the whole time um with a good mix of guys i think it was a seven bed house uh and everyone was doing a different course in the house so like you'd have a good mix of people like every night of the week coming in and out like you know and then you'd have mega sessions as well of guys from all the courses and all that's kind of coming in and amalgamating into one um but i think one of the ones that really shines out to me were our halloween sessions there um and it's just because of just the triviality of it and just how how fun everyone was just like you know it's kind of a bit more carefree than normal because everyone was just like dressing up here just you know waiting on the next person to come in just see what they were dressed up as um and it was just great. Like, so there was one year where uh, we all dressed up as um, Kiss and the band. Um, and that was really, really good. Um, and uh, like, there was this, you know, there was people like just dressed up as just like ridiculous things. Like someone dressed up as like Ellen DeGeneres and just like, just, it was just a really good uh, bunch. And like, I think all the girls there that night um, had dressed up as uh, Disney princesses. I think they spent an absolute fortune on the fucking costumes as well uh, to be to be all of the Disney princesses. Um, but yeah, those I don't know. I just I just really loved those nights of like just everyone just like being completely carefree, like just not giving a shit about what everyone thought of. Like I I I think I think that was the thing as well. I suppose in college as well when we were there, there was like not for guys now as much but for girls there seems to be an awful lot of pressure on how you looked on a night out like you know um and you know people use 
like girls especially have to get like very dressed up and stuff on, on nights out um and like you know i think it was just an added pressure on them like you know i remember as well like it used to be this classic thing of like oh you know oh, what time are we all meeting up tonight and uh you know you'd be there oh sure it's session starts at eight and sure all the lads would be like all right sure we'll go to a pub beforehand at seven because we have nothing to do um whereas it's it's actually only kicking off at eight because the girls need to get ready um so i think there was just an added pressure then where it's just like i thought that night was just like everyone was everyone was just like just i don't know just uh, just didn't give a shit everyone was just like so chatty and everything and then another session that uh was a really really good one as well that we had was um we got a dishwasher in our house so we hadn't had a dishwasher for half the year um and then we got a dishwasher then just one random evening our landlord came over and it was just the guys in the house that we had the that we had the session with so it was just the seven of us um but um we had this session anyway just to commemorate the dishwasher and it was fucking it was loosey goosey like we we set up um uh we set up like um uh what's it called an obstacle course in the house like along we had this big long corridor and we had like an obstacle course going from one end to the other of uh like trying to like go over like broomsticks and like <laughs> in between like clothes horses and all this kind of stuff like try to make from one end of the corridor to the, to the end so yeah that was us really really good like actually i thought that was just amazing um what about you guys what do you have do you have any memorable ones yeah a good few um in limerick now i used to uh good thing about um ul was that uh, i suppose everyone lived in castle troy which is obviously a bit outside the city so you were never like just like four or five housing states that were just uh, the hub or but I remember it was actually in fourth year. Um, it was uh, was a Project X, yeah, yeah. It was just after Project X came out. And, uh, <laughs> there was this. Um, it was just near my house, but there was this kind of apartment complex, this kind of gated kind of apartment complex. So it was like a big square. It was like a. It was like you know, like um, a big square of apartments, and it had like a gate and and a car park in the middle. But it was towards the end of fourth year, and I think. Or was it third? Yeah, it was fourth year, and uh, something happened. But uh, that the bank took over the or or Nama that the basically that the apartments went into Nama and like they were booting like a load of people out. So they decided to just throw like a big fucking big project X one. Yeah. So there was this fella, uh, this DJ there, DJ. His name uh, was <laughs> DJ Rashers. And, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to take back because I, I know why. I know why I was one of the first people there. Like I was literally like, like there's only about two or three people in the house. Next thing, like there was hundreds there, uh, and someone brought, um, someone managed to basically lock us all in so they, that they closed the gates of the complex. So we're all locked into the complex, and that the guards couldn't get in, and it was just madness. But that was a, that was a wicked wild one. I remember fucking DJ Rashers was going through the early hours. <laughs> Frying it up, frying it up, yeah. I, uh, I, 
you know what? I, I was thinking, like, yeah, well, obviously we went to college together. Like, we, we had some good fucking class parties. Some good, there was some good sessions going around. But actually, I was thinking more, more recent when you were talking to me about this, like, probably, there's probably a bit of uh, recency bias in this, but actually the fucking, my stag party there, like, right before <laughs> lockdown. Um, you know, three days in Portugal in the sun, like, having pints for breakfast. I guess, like, as a kind of thing that you only do, like, very, very occasionally, like, once every, how long, like, how, how often do you carry on like that? It was fucking superb, fucking superb, like, um, and as well, there was a good mix there. And there was two, the two things that came to my head were, were that stag weekend, uh, where, where, like, that you just had a great fucking group of guys in a fucking lovely spot, drinking beer, doing singing karaoke, munching on pizzas, just absolutely doing the dog on it uh, for a weekend. But also the 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 weekend we did in Liverpool a couple of years ago was fucking amazing. Like um where where basically we swapped being dickheads each night and <laughs> <laughs> getting that bladder face drunk. Like that was really good as well. Um but yeah I'd have to say like if Tom would Great sessions. I I go up my stag like, and I know there's a lot of recency bias in that, but fuck me, man. Like, it really stands out as three days of non like non stop boozing. To be fair, but fucking just non stop crack as well. Like, there wasn't a fucking, yeah. There wasn't a bad. There wasn't a bad ten minutes in that three days. Like, no, it was um, it was good camaraderie. Like, there was uh, I don't know. I, I think everyone just got along on it. Like, there was. Everyone was kind of looking out for each other as well, because you obviously hear these stories of like stags, especially where like lads get thrown into a river or whatever, like you know. And you know, I, I'm not. I shouldn't be laughing because it has been like very like bad outcomes from 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 these events where people just don't give a shit. Like, and I think it's funny that to you know tie someone to a pole and freezing weather and all this kind of stuff. Like, but um. Your wonder was like it was a good bit of ribbon all around, and everyone was having fun. But I don't think it was at the expense of anyone. I think everyone just kind of no, everyone, in, yeah, what? everyone. It, it, pure, pure, um, pure yeah. adult mischief. Yeah, scallywag. Yeah, the worst, the worst thing that happened to me wasn't even like the fact that the lads put me in an Everton jersey with Bradker on the back of it. It was, it was actually <laughs> the worst thing that happened to me was my my brother Mark. Uh, who's been on the podcast asking me for my belt at five o'clock in the morning walking back to the hotel and I just for some reason took my belt off gave it to him and he fucked it over a ditch into someone's backyard so like, yeah you know tame, that's tame enough like it's tame enough it, it was tame in terms of like fucking taking a piss out of me like I got off lightly and yeah but, we but actually was, Tommy we have a good um spike there and um, literally the last yeah. thing we did before lockdown yeah. Literally the weekend before the lockdown, it went down a stag in Galway, like, yeah, it was a good <laughs> Yeah. As I was um, saying, the lads were joking, like, as in our, it was our last, uh, the last kind of hoolie, like, we really went out with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it. It's as if we knew what was coming, like, yeah, so we, we go on a big, <laughs> a big stag, like. Yeah. Um, but there, there was one, one of those, well, actually one of the nights really stands out to me whereby we ended up, like, so we finished getting away in the pubs and we were, um, we were we were flying it really, and we ended up back in the apartment, and we put on um, 
the the tele, television had YouTube on, like built yeah. into it, and uh, like like all of us just like took turns putting on songs on YouTube, um, and playing on this like tiny little television like, um, but you know it was tops off, uh, yeah. like standing on chairs and tables and um, singing our hearts out in the morning like. It was actually very fortunate that we had booked up, we had booked up like pretty much the entire um, block of apartments yeah. there um, because we were so loud, um, roaring, roaring, like you know, um, like there was a few lads in group trying to try to get a fucking few winks sleep, like, yeah. and we were roaring, like, um, but yeah, like all, all um, a lot of um, trad tunes came out and. It was just, it was just excellent, and actually, that's why I'm really looking forward to now, like coming into um, next year. Now, I think actually because of uh, because of COVID nineteen, um, a lot of weddings, DJ yours included, um, have been postponed. Um, but it means that there's going to be a like I think next year I'm going to have about maybe like eight or nine weddings uh, next year, uh, and probably over 10 now uh, from, let's say, the end of lockdown onwards uh, to the end of next year. So it was. You might even have time for your own one. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I'm double booked, actually. I'm going to appear for the second half of my one. (laughs) My father's going to stand in for me for the the wedding bit. I I tell you what you touched on there, that actually is something I hadn't even fucking thought of through lockdown. And all of a sudden, I miss it more than is rationally possible. Is a trad session. Yeah. Fucking hell, what I wouldn't give for now, bower on accordion and fiddle to be in the corner there now, just jigging away. Yeah, but like even, I, I, th- I think even like the trad session is one thing, like, you know, and, and that, like that's excellent to have in a pub when you're, you know, but like even a sing song, you know, in terms yeah. of like. Yeah. You know, like that 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 night there where there was a bit, uh, no, a bit of YouTube on, and you know, and you don't even need that. You can just fucking some lad in the corner just can start singing away, crooning away to his heart's content, and everyone yeah. joining in. And you only know about a third of the words, but we you kind of struggle on through the whole thing, like you know. And then then you pipe up loud for the chorus, like you'd miss that though, miss that all right, like you know. If my editing skills are any good, I'll be after putting a bit of background trap music on for this for this yeah. segment. But I highly doubt it. I'm sorry to the listeners for, for 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 letting me down. But yeah, I think Jesus, I actually haven't timed this at all. So I reckon we're gone for about an hour ten, an hour fifteen there. So grand. Um, was that wrapping it up? Uh, yeah, the usual shit, lads. You know the story. Support food banks. Uh, support your local food bank. If there's any charities worth giving a whack, give them a whack. Uh, Charlie's young fella is still doing a triathlon, so or an Ironman. So uh, go if you go to Charlie's lockdown Ironman or something like that, go for me. Uh, you'll come across it, and uh, yeah, look after the shop, shop local, look after the likes of Kyrie's Antiques and all them fellas from Monday. Uh, lads, any parting words for the listeners, Tommy? Bless you on, I suppose. Keep the keep the keep the, keep the keep the numbers down. Yeah, the point up, the numbers down. Cheers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shop local. Shop yeah. local. Not more to be said than that. Uh, enjoy your week, lads. And uh, we'll be back next week with some more shy talk. Shop local. Drink local. <laughs> Antique local. Yeah. Speaking of drinking local, I need to get it.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.